I want to start out by telling you a little bit about what my wife teases me about. <laughs> um, it's so great to see her on the drums here. Um, exciting, exciting to see her do that. Uh, but one of the things that she teases me about quite frequently is when I'm driving, one of the things that you will always, almost always see is that it doesn't even matter if I'm just going not too far away, especially if I'm going like from here to Laguna Niguel where we live, or if I'm going from Laguna Niguel to here, I always have Google Maps or Apple Maps up telling me how to get to where I'm going. And... Many of the times I know how to get to where I'm going, but one of the reasons why I do that, it just happened the other day, is because you never know what traffic is going to be like. You know, we just had um, the canyon closed the other day again. So one of my excuses for that is I want to find out if there's any traffic and anything that I need to go around to make sure. Um, sometimes it's just because I really am not sure if I know how to get to where I'm going. Still learning this area even after all these years. But, you know, as I was thinking about that and about how, you know, we've got these abilities now with GPS and maps and everything to show us where we're going, one of the things that I really love is what we have been doing since the beginning of this year. I remember, and I think, I don't know if you remember Jeff, but when Jeff told me that we were going to go through the Sermon on the Mount, I was ecstatic. And the reason why I was ecstatic is because the Sermon on the Mount, for me, has been a guiding post in my life. It has been a map to tell me how to live. And it's taken me through a lot of different things. It's taken me through, I think, a few months ago when I did a sermon, I talked about how it took, through the, took me through the death of my mom. I was actually preaching on Blessed Are Those Who Mourn when she actually passed away when I was teaching on that up in the Bay Area. Um, it also is where they have the Do Not Worry passage. And that passage is one that my mom was a professional worrier. And after she passed away, I actually did a sermon on that passage um, in memory of her. Uh, the other things, you know, things like um, the, the Lord's Prayer is probably impacting me one of the most of everything. I mean, it's taught me how to pray. It's taught me things about God that I've never seen before. And so as I'm thinking about the Sermon on the Mount that we're going through, I think of it like a map. I think that what the Sermon on the Mount is doing is Jesus is giving a, us a map of this is how we are to live. And last night, I just went through the entire sermon. I'm just going to read this to you. I just went through and wrote down some of the things that I see in the Sermon on the Mount, in my own words, of the things that we've gone through since January 3rd, when we actually started going through the Sermon on the Mount. I, I said, we are the salt and light to the world, set apart from the waves of this world so we can show the world the way of Jesus. When we are angry with someone... We immediately put down whatever we are doing and reconcile with them. Our yes and no can be counted on. We respond to those who despise us by loving them twice as much as they hate us. We send to our prayer requests to pray for our enemies. We don't use our prayers to preach an agenda. We never make a person or a thing an idol that competes with God. We trust God for today and tomorrow rather than being anxious about either of them. We look at ourselves in the mirror before looking at others. And in everything, which is the passage right before what we're going to look at today, and in everything we follow Jesus' golden rule, 
by doing for others far more than we would ever do for ourselves. And that takes us up to where we are now in the Sermon of the Mount. Because today, with the passage we're going to go through, we're making a shift. Jesus has now shown us this map and has said, this is how we are to live in this world. And boy, is it counterculture. <laughs> I mean, of all days today, I look and I read this stuff and I go, this is counterculture to how we are, even sometimes as Christians, and how we are to live differently than the world. But what's happening today in our passage that we're going to look at is Jesus is switching. He said, I've given you this map, but now I don't want you to just look at the map. I mean, I could call up the map on my car and I could just sit in my car. (laughs) What he's doing is he says now today, I've given you this map. Now go do it. (laughs) Go live this way. Go follow this map. Go follow my way that I have given you. And so that's what we're going to look at today, is we're going to look at this passage in Matthew. And the passage is, um, if you want to turn to your Bibles, we'll have it up here. The passage is Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And this is what it says. Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who, enter it by, those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today for just bringing us all together, Lord. Um, we pray for you to continue to protect this congregation to keep us healthy for all those who are sick. I think of even Daryl and Marilyn, Lord. We pray, Lord, you will completely heal them, anyone who's sick. Protect us. And Father, today as we open up this word of yours that you've given us, this map of life, may through your spirit that you've given to live in us, empower us to live like you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I want to walk through this passage. Only two verses, but very, very key. It really lays out for us, in some ways, what is very simple in life. Are you going to go this way or that way? And it really only gives us those two choices. So as opposed to if you're going down you know, a street and you have three ways you can go, it's telling us here there's only two ways. And if you look at how Jesus starts out this passage, he starts it out with a command. He says, enter by the narrow gate. That word, enter, is Jesus giving us a command. In Greek, it is called an imperative. It is someone in authority telling someone in under that authority about what to do. And Jesus is telling us what to do. How often are we to do this? All the time. Enter. And he's saying, now that I've mapped this all out for you, now go. Enter the way that I have showed you. Now, just think for a moment. If you think of someone who's in the military and they have a commanding officer and that commanding officer gives them a command to do something, what would happen if they said, well, let me think about it for a while? Or can you give me another option? What would happen? The commanding officer would just look at you like, what? (laughs) All right? We don't have, you don't have that option in the military because you know who your commanding officer is. We who are believers in Jesus, 
He is our Lord. He is our King. He is our commanding officer. He is the one that tells us what to do. We can try to get around it. We can say, can I have a little while to think about that, Jesus? No. He doesn't say that. He just says, enter. And he tells us of the two choices we're going to have that we're going to look at. He actually makes it easy for us. This is the way to do it. Enter by this gate. Enter by the narrow gate. So he's given us now a choice to make. We've given the, we have the freedom to say, sorry, Jesus, we don't want to do that. But if he is our Lord, our answer is, yes, tell me how to do that. Tell me the way. And now he lays out two contrasting ways for us to live. You can think of everything you're doing in your life as you leave from here. You can think of how do I enter in by this narrow gate that Jesus is talking about. And so the very first thing, and we have these pairs here. We're going to look at, Jesus gives us these two options. He says, there's two gates. There are two destinations. There are two groups of people. And there are two ways. Let's take a look at each one. Because if we're going to make the choice, we want to understand what that choice is. And we want to understand that we might be trying to choose a different way in which to go. So let's start out by looking at the two gates. He says that there is a narrow gate, and he says that there is a wide gate. Two gates in which we are to enter through. I was thinking about the game show. Anybody remember Let's Make a Deal? Okay, I know it ages some of us, but let's make a deal. And if you remember Let's Make a Deal, they would get finally to sort of the end of the game, and they would have what? Door number one, door number two, door number three. And you're supposed to choose which door you want to decide what you're going to win. And you have no idea. Now, what's interesting is that all three doors look the same. And what is also interesting is that there is three doors. Jesus is only giving us two doors in which to make the decision. But he is also telling us that those doors, those gates, look very different. I want to give you an example of what they may look like. So if you take a look at this picture, I took these pictures when I was in Israel back in 1999. And if you take a look at these pictures, what you have on the left is you have a wide gate. He says we can go through the wide gate or the narrow gate. On the left, you have a wide gate. That is one of the bigger gates into Jerusalem. It is called the Damascus Gate. Very popular. And you can see a lot of people can go through that gate. In fact, a lot of people can just sort of hang around and decide when they're going to go through that gate. That's a good example. In fact, when Jesus says the wide and narrow gate, he probably is thinking some gates like this within Jerusalem that would go into the old part of Jerusalem. Now look on the right. I don't know how many of you would like to choose this gate, but this is a very narrow way into Jerusalem. In fact, this is what's called the Hezekiah Tunnel. And it was built by Hezekiah, and the reason why it was built was as a secret way that when they were being, the armies were coming against them and they walled off all of Jerusalem, they could not get water to live on. And they built this Hezekiah tunnel in which to bring water in to the city. It was secret. No one knew about it. When you walk through it, let me just tell you, when I was there, very few people in our group decided to walk through it. And you can tell why. 
It is very, very thin. It's not very tall. And what you don't see is you're walking in water up to here as you're walking through this. And it's dark, pitch black as you're going through. But this is another entrance to get in to the old Jerusalem. And in fact, this is very similar to what Jesus means here by narrow. The word narrow, choosing the narrow gate, he says, it's constricted. It's very, you can, you can maybe just like fit one person through at a time. As you notice here, not many can fit through it. All right? But this is a good example of those different choices we have. Many of us would look and go, I'd much rather choose a wide gate with everybody else. It's going to be much easier to get through. All right? But you can see what the narrow gate is. And the narrow gate, it actually leads to a special place within Jerusalem. And you notice how it says on here that few will find it. Few know how to get to this Hezekiah tunnel. All right, same type of thing that Jesus is showing here. So we have two gates that we can choose from. The other thing is, notice that in addition to those two gates, we have two destinations that our way is going to lead through. Some people, don't, we don't really know, is Jesus saying, you go through the gates first, and you go in a way, and you get to somewhere, or you... Go somewhere and you get to the end and now you have this gate. We're not sure. Either way, finally Jesus says there's two ways, two, two ways that you're going to go and they each have a destination. So if you notice here, it says, For the gate is wide and the way is easy that what? The wide gate leads to destruction. And then it says those who enter by it are many. And then it says, But the narrow gate, in verse 14... The narrow gate is hard, and it leads to life. So the destination with these two gates, one leads to destruction, one leads to life. Now, here's something else that I'll tell you a little bit, something else my wife knows about me, is that when I moved down here from up in the Bay Area, there's something we never had in the Bay Area. We did not have car chases we could watch. All right. And if you ask Michelle, I mean, I don't watch TV that much, and I'm pretty much like, eh, whatever, whatever's on, unless there's a show I really like. But what I love that would just glue me to the TV is when a car chase is on. I literally just want to sit there, and she'll say, there's a car chase on, I'm like, I'm coming. All right. And as you think about it, when you're watching a car chase, it's fascinating to me, and I'm always praying like they're not going to kill anyone, kill anyone. But when you're watching a car chase, I'm like, doesn't the person in the car know that they're being chased? That there's a helicopter above them? And I keep thinking to myself, where is this going to lead to? With them driving the way they're driving, recklessly like they're driving, with police behind them, where can this possibly lead to? And you know, some car chases last five minutes, and some car chases last hours and hours. But I have yet to see a car chase where the person driving did not get caught, finally in the end. And that's a lot like what happens in our life. If we choose to go by the wide gate, and we choose to just sort of live however we want to, or we think, you know, I can do a couple things as a Christian, and no one's really seen, and I can get away with it, and it's like the person being chased in the car. They just keep thinking, okay, I'll just go a little farther. Maybe I'll be able to get away with it. Maybe I'll get away with it. Maybe I'll get away with it. And it leads to finally them getting captured. It leads to ultimately their destruction. And Jesus says that's the same thing as for us Christians. If we think that sin is something we can hide 
and we can just slowly, very low, you know, over a little period of time, it just sort of builds up, and we don't really even know what it's doing, and then all of a sudden, something happens in our life with that sin that is just built up over and over again. That's the leading to destruction. But Jesus says the narrow way, the narrow way leads to life. And when Jesus talks about life here, he is talking about the whole fullness of our life, the life that is he has meant to give us, a life we were created for. I don't know if you ever thought about it, but the Sermon on the Mount is really saying this is how God created you to live. This is the full life he's given you. Live that way, because the other way that's hard, well, the other way that's easy, leads to destruction. And so he's giving us this life. He's giving us this life eternal. And he says in John 10, 10, and I give it to you abundantly. That's his desire for us. We may have struggles and go through things, but when we have Jesus, ultimately we have that life that's more fully lived by him. So those are the two destinations. Then he gives us two groups. And this is where it gets really fascinating when you think of who are these groups. Because you notice that one group, so it says, for the gate is wide, the way is easy, the least to destruction. And in that gate, though, and that way, those who, enter it by, those who enter by it are many. There are many who enter by that. But it says, for the gate that is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life... And for those who find it, a few. Now, when we mostly think of this, and possibly when you read this passage, you, we tend to want to think there's this group and there's this group. And these groups are separate. A lot of times we want to say, well, there are those who believe in Jesus and there are those who don't yet believe in Jesus. And we put them into different groups. And we can read that way here where it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to church, I'm all here, I'm in this group versus this other group. But what's, fast, what's interesting here is Jesus is not talking about that. He has taught his audience for the entire Sermon on the Mount were the Jews who believed in God. They were the ones who worshipped Yahweh. They were the ones who had gone, who go to the temple. Jesus is talking to those like today, we would call this group of people us, the people who claim Jesus as Lord, the people who come to church, the people who worship Jesus, the people who pray to Jesus. That is the big group. That's all of us here. But here's what's convicting. Jesus says, within this big group of all these people who claim to know me, all these people who you claim my name, there are a few that really follow me. There are a few that follow the Sermon on the Mount. There are a few who not just claim me as Lord, but live that I am Lord. And so, you know, I'm going to be, you know, I can look at all of us today. All right. And I think this is where Jesus wants to convict us. You look at Scripture, and almost everything in Scripture, when it talks about warnings and judgments, particularly in, the, in both the Old and the New Testament, mostly those warnings are given to us to say, keep on the path. All right? And that is what Jesus, that's what God has always been concerned with. These are my people. Be my people. Live as my people. And so when you think of, are we the many or the few, you want to think that 
okay, I always ask my question, am I part of that few? Am I today the ones that is choosing life? And I'm, am I today the one going through the narrow way? Am I the one going Jesus' way? Or if I'm just sort of playing around saying, well, you know, it's nice to come to church, it's nice to worship, it's nice to pray, but I'm not really, Jesus is not really my Lord. I want a little bit of the world. I want a little bit of Jesus. And over and over again, Scripture says, uh-uh. Jesus is jealous. God is jealous. He wants all of us. All of us. And so when we think of this, when we think of these two, these, um, these two groups, this is all of us, and we are to be encouraging one another to always say, are we part of the ones really following, dedicated, loving Jesus, and showing the world that light that we're supposed to be? Those are the two groups. But then the question is, how do you, if you're in that, if we're in this group, we're all here, ultimately then the question is the way. Because it finally, in the, in the, we say there's a gate we go through, there's a destination we know, there's these two different groups, but there is the way to ensure that we go, to, that we move to life. There is a way to make sure we're going through the narrow path. There is a way to make sure we are the few who are worshiping, dedicated, loving Jesus. How do we know what that way is? Because notice what it says. It says, enter again by the narrow gate. Jesus tells us what to do. Then he says, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. The way is easy that leads to destruction. And then he says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Right there. (laughs) We don't like to hear this. But it is sometimes hard to follow Jesus. It is hard to love our enemies. It is hard to go up to someone who has something against us and say, I want to reconcile with you. Living the Christian life is not necessarily easy. And that's what Jesus says. He says, following me is going to be hard. Versus the easy way where I just can do sort of whatever I want to and think that I can do whatever I want to. But when we think about that, how do we live that way? That way that is going to keep us through the narrow gate. How do we live that way that is going to make us so we are part of that few? How do we live it that way that we know our, that we are going to have life and life eternal with Jesus? This is where I think for us Christians, this is where we can very easily think the way is like what I have on my, on my GPS. All right, so I say, the map tells me, go this way, then go this way, then go this way. I say, okay, I'm along the way. I'm going on the way. But what, have you ever thought, what is the way? What is that way? Jesus tells us. And I'm going to have you take a look at John 14, 5 through 7. I want you to listen to what the way is. So in John 14, 5 through 7, Jesus says, well, it says, Thomas says to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where we're going. <laughs> okay? He needs MapQuest or Apple Maps, all right? Lord, we don't know where we're going. <clears throat> How can we know the way? 
Isn't that the question all of us should be asking constantly? How do we know the way that leads to life? How do we know that way? And Jesus tells us. He says, I am the way. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would also have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I want you to think about this because this is really the essence of the Christian life. It is not about doing this or doing that. It is not about following a bunch of rules. Ultimately, the Christian life is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. He died on the cross so we can have his spirit live in us, we can have his word to follow us, but that we can be in a relationship with him. The way is a relationship. The way is a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is himself as the person of God, the way. That is why, I'll be blunt, I mean, before I was a Christian... I believe there's a bunch of different ways that we can go. I believe there's a bunch of different religions we can go. But you know what? There's only one Son of God. <laughs> there's only one person who died on the cross for our sins. There's only one person who is the way, and that is Jesus. And he says, I am the way, and I am the truth. We think, oh, well, here's the truth of this and the truth of that. Everybody says, this is what's real. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. And Jesus says, no, you're looking at the wrong place. Look at me. I am the truth. And then ultimately we said, how do we have that life? We have that life today when we're in relationship with Christ. Because he also says, I am that life. Jesus is the way. And here's the irony of our Christian life. He said it was hard, didn't he? And we all know that, I think. Life can be really hard. Following Jesus can be really hard. But here's the irony of following Jesus. When he says it's hard, he also, when we follow him, makes our life easy. And he takes that burden off of us. It's like working out, in a sense. You think of like, you know working out is really hard, and you know if you're going to be in good shape, you've got to do it. And how many times do you go, I just, I don't feel like it today. But you know, once you start working out, okay, you start feeling good, and you start, it gives you a lot of energy, and you feel better about yourself. Well, here, if you notice, if Jesus says, this is the hard way, but what happens when we start entering into that relationship with Jesus? Life can become actually much easier than we think. And why? Because, and Jeff actually brought this passage up a few weeks ago. I love one of my favorite passages. So here's Jesus saying the life is hard. But when you follow me, this is what it looks like. This is Matthew 11. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Listen closely to our Lord. He says, come to me. Listen to that invitation. Come to me. Be with me. Be in relationship with me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of you need rest right now? (laughs) Any hands? How about how many need rest? (laughs) All right. 
Jesus is the place we ultimately get that rest when we come to him. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. It's not hard. It's easy. And my burden is light. When we enter in to the narrow gate, when we choose and know that Jesus is the way, when we are in relationship with him, this is what our life looks like because he is the one who's with us. He is the one who we've come to. He is the one who takes that burden off of us. And so when you think about how, you know, if this is the way, which it is, and Jesus is the way, and this is what we can get along that way, how do we how do we do that? I mean, there's a lot. There's different answers for that. But I've got a question for all of you. It's convicting to me when I ask the question. <laughs> how? And I don't. You don't need to answer this. You don't need to raise your hand. How long has it been since you have read one of the Gospels? How long has it been since you've read all of Matthew, Mark? Luke or John or even a large portion of that that is where Jesus reveals who he is that is his life the life that we enter how long has it been since you've done that now if you after the service walked up to my wife and you said started talking about me and stuff and and, and then Michelle said to you she said you know it's been six months since Greg talked to me. We live in the same house, but we just don't talk to each other. All right? You'd go, what kind of relationship do you think that is? <laughs> All right? And if you came up to me and said convictingly, I just talked to Michelle. <laughs> I just talked to Michelle, and you haven't talked to her for like six months, she says. How could you do that? And I said, I'm married to her. We already have a relationship. I'm married. Why do I have to talk to her? All right? We already have this commitment. Why do I have to do anything more? All right? You, you would look at me and you would go, that's ridiculous. Or if I said, you know, I talked to Jeff who talks to Michelle and I hear from Jeff or I hear from Patty. They talk to Michelle and they tell me how she's doing. How ridiculous would that be? But we're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> Our Lord the one who saved us. That relationship should be where we are hunger and we, he says, the sheep hear my voice. What does it say in this passage in Matthew up here? It says that those who come to me learn from me. What does Jesus want? He wants us to learn from him. He wants us to know him. You're not going to know me unless you talk to me. And we have been given the beauty of God's word with the spirit that lives in us. This is the way we are in that relationship. You probably have heard me say that a few times up here. But this is the way, not just to find out things about Jesus. This is the way we actually relate with Jesus. By hearing these words, this word comes alive because of the spirit that lives in us. And if you read through the gospels, and let me tell you how long it takes, okay? To read through Matthew and Luke, the two largest Gospels, it takes two and a half hours regular reading speed. 
each gospel, two and a half hours. To read through John, it takes two hours. To read through Mark, it takes less than an hour and a half. How many of us watch a movie and sit down watching a movie for two hours? Okay. Jesus says, I've given you my word. I want you to know me. I want you to relate with me. I want you to be close to me so I can give you this rest and give you this life. This is why we've been given this word. There is something different about it. What's different is because Jesus and God reveals himself through this to us. How often do we need to hear that? How often do I need to talk to my wife and hear from my wife? (laughs) Very often. All right. So I want to end by just giving us another challenge. I think last couple weeks ago when I did a sermon, I said, and I was talking with Michelle Doherty back there, and you know, we talked about giving her the Psalms and wish her a ride on. Here is what you can do. And this is just, if you need a challenge to say, how do I get back into really listening to God, really hearing Jesus, really relating with him, you start by just, and I say, read a gospel. Just choose one. And you'll be amazed. Read it all the way through. It doesn't have to be in one sitting. But just start reading it all the way through. All right? And you can actually, so here I am, and I'm not, I don't get any kickbacks from Amazon for this. All right? But for 25 bucks, you can actually get this nice little beautiful set, which is the same ESV journal Bibles I was talking about before, that has the four Gospels in it. And with each Gospel, you can just take one of them, and as you can see... You can start reading it, and you can start marking it up like I told you with the Psalms. But even better, many of us know that saying, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in his midst. Find someone else. Find someone you're close to. Find someone even, a, even a, maybe not even a believer. Find someone else you can say, hey, you know what? Why don't we read through the Gospel of Matthew together, or Mark, or Luke, or John? And let's just, you know, we'll just start reading it and get together every once in a while and just write down what we've seen and what we've learned about Jesus and then get together with that person. That is relating with God. That is relating with Christ. That is what he wants from us. He wants us to be with him because he is the way. The way is being with Jesus. Being with Jesus. So I invite all of us, including myself, all of us, this is the narrow gate we're offered. This narrow gate that leads to life. That yeah, only few go on it. But the reward of that life is the very presence of God getting us through that life. And so as today, as I close, I I want all of us to just think to ourselves again, how can I go down that narrow path? How can I be in the relationship with Christ today? How can I do that? And, I'm, and you know what? If you don't know Jesus, if you really have not made that commitment, this is the day. <laughs> it says today is a day of salvation. This is the day to make that commitment to Jesus and see what he offers you with his, with his eternal life. So I want to end by just reading a passage Um, And just to remind you who this Christ is and what he has done. And this is from Ephesians, from the, um, this is from Ephesians, um, chapter 2, 13 through 18. I just want to end in blessing all of you with this. And we think about who this Jesus says we can be in this dynamic, loving relationship with. 
Listen to what Ephesians says. This is from the um, New Living Translation. It says, Once you were far away from God. All of us were in that place. But now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. I want to say amen to that. There should be no hostility between us. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us, all of us here, all of us can come to, come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that you have given us life, life abundantly. And you have freed us from our sins, Lord, giving us the life that is one where you desire so much for us to come to you, to be with you, to have you take those burdens off of us, to have life be easy. That is a prayer for all of us, say, Lord. And I bless all of us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.